All right. So looking at the heart of serving, uh, this is just a kind of one more a sermon on this idea of serving uh, before we move on. And kind of before we begin, I just want to let you know what our mission statement is going to be. I, I kind of talked about it two weeks ago. I threw it out there um, and I said, you know, let me know what you think about it. And thank you to the two people who kind of responded and then said that they liked it. Um, but regardless, no one said they didn't like it. And so we're going to go with uh, something similar. Uh, this is the um, mission statement here. And so it's gather, uh, grow, give, go, all for the glory of God. And so that's going to be our mission statement. Uh, gather, grow, give, go, all for the glory of God. Um, it's got six G's in there. Um, do you know the song? Oh, it's inappropriate. The song G6. Anyway, um, Ruben's been singing it lately. Like, like an airplane. The G6 is an airplane, apparently. We're going to lift off and do great things for God. Um, if, if you don't know, the, the six G's here, the, the gather, grow, give, go, all for the glory of God, is really the five M's um, in a verb form. And so gather is membership, grow is maturity, give is ministry, go is mission, and then all for the glory of God is magnification. And so uh, what we're trying to do is really the five M's, except the five M's just wouldn't have sounded good as a mission statement, uh, membership, uh, magnification, you know, it's a bit long. And so this is our mission statement. This is what we're trying to do. And obviously then it makes sense that our church is also then structured in a similar way to what we're trying to accomplish. And so that's just a heads up. That's our mission statement. Um, the vision statement, uh, I don't know if we need one, but if you're waiting on it, um, like all the other ministries are, um, I'm still working on that too. And so let's jump into the sermon series, uh, sermon today, sorry. And today we're going to talk from John chapter 13. Uh, from a very famous passage that you know when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Um, I remember um, I was at one of the PG retreats. It was the, the SYC retreat where they joined all the, the PGs, the grade 7, all the way to year 12, uh, combined retreats. And I don't think I was a PG pastor then. I think I was a guest speaker. But at one of the last uh, kind of sessions, I think it was the morning, final morning session, uh, they, they did this. Right? Somehow, some way, at the end of service, uh, they pulled out all these basins of water and chairs at the front of the stage. And all the teachers and pastors, they knelt down in front of these chairs. And the kids, uh, one by one, they'd sit on these seats and their teacher or their pastors would, would wash their feet. And you probably know if you've ever experienced this, uh, what happened. Uh, everyone just, they just started crying. Uh, even like the bad, rebellious group of people, the, the bad boys, the bad girls who, who always sit at the back and they're never listening. Even they started like tearing up uh, when their teacher like is at their feet, you know, washing their grimy feet in these basins of water. Um, and it was a kind of really emotional moment if you've ever gone through it. Um, and that's kind of what's happening in this uh, story. Um, it's, it's a very kind of emotional, uh, incredibly powerful moment. And so let me just read verse two to five. It says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, uh, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash uh, the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Right? It's this famous, powerful act of service from our Lord Jesus right on the brink uh, of his death. Um, and the last time I spoke about this passage, I think I said this might be one of the most miraculous acts of our Lord Jesus. 
Uh, we don't tend to think of it that way, but you know, all the other miracles of Jesus uh, were powerful, uh, but they kind of displayed his glory. Uh, it lifted him up, uh, which is good, and he deserves it. Um, but this act uh, was an act of humility and humiliation. Uh, despite his majesty, he lowers himself like a servant to wash people's feet. And I think that's why this passage is so incredibly powerful because we see you know, God the Son, uh, the almighty, holy, powerful being uh, becoming like a slave and in humility, humiliating himself while washing his disciples' feet. And again, if you've ever been a part of this, uh, you've seen it happen, maybe your feet have been washed by you know, a leader, a teacher, a pastor, uh, it's unnatural, right? It, it's weird, uh, which is why I think we cry because you're like, we, we don't know what else to do because like, you, like my, my teacher's there like washing my feet and you feel weird about it in a good way and you don't know what else to do uh, but cry. And I wonder if those kinds of emotions is what the disciples were feeling. Um, just shock um, and weirdness um, that Jesus is washing their feet. Now, what we're seeing here is love in action, right? That's why the point is love acts. Uh, when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, it's, it's moving because we're seeing love uh, made visible. And when you think about what service is, whenever we serve someone, service is love in action. Our service is love made visible through our deeds. And let me explain a little bit about what I mean. And when you think about love, when you love someone, uh, what you do, what ends up happening is that you put someone else uh, before you, right? So in your thoughts or decisions or actions, uh, you, you're willing to put them um, in front of you and consider them more than yourself. And so you might have a friend in high school who's extremely selfish or stingy, but the moment they start dating or they're in love, suddenly, you know, it doesn't matter who they were before, they're so generous, right? They're such a giving boyfriend or girlfriend, and it just happens naturally, right? That's what love does. It makes you sacrifice your own needs and wants to fill theirs, right? And it just kind of pours out of you. Love puts the other one before you, uh, puts them before everyone else, really, including yourself. And so that's love. And when you think about service, service is everything I just described is just done in action. Every time we serve, it requires sacrifice. Every time you serve, it requires you to give up something, um, time, energy, uh, you know, money, to fill the needs and wants of someone else. Right? So when you think about you're serving in church or when you serve someone you know, that you know, uh, you're giving up something. So you're serving in church, you're making phone calls, you're writing up documents, right? It's costing you time or thought or energy. When you buy someone a gift or cook them a meal because you know, they, they need some love, it takes planning, it takes sweat, it takes finances, right? You're, you're sacrificing along the way. When you help someone move homes, right? you're giving up you know, time, strength, etc. So every time we serve, we're sacrificing things that could benefit me but we end up paying the cost of it uh, to benefit someone else, right? And again, that's, that's what love wants to do, right? Love is willing to put someone before you and sacrifice yourself for their sake. And so love is at the heart of true, joyful serving. And therefore, when you think about it, serving is love in action, right? I'm, love, I'm loving you and I'm going to act that out. And that comes out in serving. And that's why, you know, when you think about it, sometimes serving comes naturally. And sometimes serving is really difficult. And that's just because you love them or you don't. 
Right? When you love them, you're just going to serve them. And it's just a, a flow on from the love that you have. You know, you're willing, willing to give up as much time as you, you need to. Your wallet is open to them. Uh, you're happy to do whatever it is to benefit that person. That's because you love them. And there are other group of people where every time you need to serve them, it might be a simple like drop off um, at their home. Uh, it might be a small chore and it's through gritted teeth. And when you think about it, it's because you don't love them. Right? Love makes a difference in all of that. When you think about your work as well, when you love your work, you're willing to you know, do whatever it takes. You can stay behind and pour out time and energy, hours into it, um, because you know, love sacrifices. Um, but if you lose that love for work, uh, every minute beyond clock of time is a chore. And so when we look at this passage with Jesus, um, he's serving again, but it's love in action. And if you look at the context of the story, uh, it makes it even more clear. Right, so the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet is really sandwiched in between verses, before and after, verses about love. And so verse 1, it says, uh, Now before the feast of the Passover, uh, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so the verse 1, before it tells a story, it says, look, this is about love. Jesus is going to love his disciples all the way to the end. And then he jumps into the, ser- the story of him serving them and washing their feet. And then at the end of the story, right, when you jump to verse 34, he talks about love again. Now, Jesus says to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you are to love one another. Right? That verse, just as I've loved you, love one another, It's basically the same thing he'll say in verse 14 before when he says, I wash your feet, now wash one another's feet. So I wash your feet, wash others, I loved you, love one another. And so he's kind of saying they're they're the same thing. His act of washing feet is an act of love because serving is love in action. Right? Serving is love in action. And he'd be remiss if I didn't mention the greatest act of service from our Lord Jesus, um, which is on the cross. Uh, the cross is Christ's greatest act of service to us. It's service at its fullest, right? If service is me sacrificing something uh, for the wants or the needs of someone else, then Jesus on the cross sacrificed you know, to the fullest. He gave up his life, right? It's his greatest act of service and therefore his greatest display of love because service is love in action. And so John says, greater love is no one than this, as someone laid down his life for his friends. And so at the cross, we see great service, right? The service to its fullest extent. And therefore we see love displayed to its fullest extent because service and love, you know, they're really kind of the same thing. And so how do we know Jesus loves us? Look at the cross. He served us, right? It's not by emotion. It's not by circumstance. It's because he served us at the cross. We know love. And so my main point just for this first point, and I've got two points today, is that service is love in action. And this story of Jesus washing his feet is really a, a story about love and love just displayed in service. And so the first thing I want to kind of say to us is, you know, we need to start with love. In all of our serving, whether it's in church ministry, uh, in teams, or whether it's just personal relationship, like we need to start uh, at a place of love. Uh, whether it's love for Christ, 
love for the people of God, whether it's love for the, the person I'm trying to serve, uh, it needs to be love. Uh, that, that's where we need to be. Um, and so tend to your heart. Make sure that love is the motivator in your serving and ensure that it's love for Christ and love for people uh, that drives your serving. Um, and make sure that your love for Jesus isn't dulled by the busyness of, of ministry or life especially as we get close to launch and we're all kind of busy with activity. Now I really want to encourage us to make sure that you're, you're pouring time and energy, not just into serving, that's important, but into you know, that base where, where it all pours out of, which is your heart and your love for God and for his people. This is the Mary Martha tension I've talked about before. Um, you know, Martha in the story where she invites Jesus to, you know, um, have, have a meal at her house, she starts off with the best intentions. But somehow along the way, she fails to delight and enjoying Jesus Christ. Right? The busy servant, I said, becomes a bitter servant because she doesn't sit at his feet. And so we need to sit before we serve. Right? It's not you choose one or the other. You choose one before the other, and you need to choose to sit before you serve. And if you sit and you love Christ, you'll serve him. Right? And if you love people, you will serve them. Right? But if all you're trying to do is serve and you don't sit, your love will run out and everything will become duty. Right? I don't know if some of us were feeling like that. You're feeling burnt out. You're feeling tired. You're wondering, like, you know, I'm pouring so much of my energy. You know, why am I doing this? But what you need to do is kind of pause and go back to Jesus Christ or go back and ask him in prayer to increase your love for his people. Right? You need to make sure that you love that all of your service is coming out of that place. And so do you love Jesus? Do you love the people in this church? Do you love the people that you work with? Are your friends? Right, that's a question we need to ask. And from that place, we might begin to serve. Uh, on a side note, uh, this is why uh, some of our ministries will be closed off to non-believers. Right? We are trying to open up some ways for even non-believers to get involved but there are ministries that we will not open up for non-believers and because we recognize that serving god uh, comes from a place of first loving god and if you don't love god uh, your service isn't pleasing or worship to him and so as we invite non-believers to serve in some areas it's not because you know we believe that it will please god or it will be worship to god right it's for the sake of evangelism it's for the sake of building relationships with people that that might organically disciple them. Uh, but when we recognize that it can never be true service to God because it's not from a place of faith and love. The second thing I want to say is you start with love, uh, but that love needs to show up in service. If service is love in action, uh, then we have to have love. Uh, but at the same time, if you have love, genuine love, will show itself. Right? Service is the fruit of love. Um, Galatians 5 here, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And what that means is if you are a Christian, what the Spirit will kind of grow in you is love. Right? So the fruit of salvation is love. But again, if service is love in action, then the fruit of love is, is service. Does that make sense? So if you have salvation, the Spirit will make love grow in you. Right, a supernatural Christ-driven, gospel-driven love. But if you have love, right, the fruit of that will be service. 
And if constantly in your life, you're unwilling to serve other people, serve your church, serve the people around you, um, then you kind of need to check, right? Do I love, right? Do I have the love of Christ in me? Genuine transformation in the hands of God will make us more loving and that will show up in service, right? Not, not all the time, not in the same capacity as everyone else. Um, maybe this season you can't and a season will come when you can, et cetera. Like we need to consider all of that. Um, but over, I guess, a long period of time, if you're not serving people and you're just constantly selfish, uh, then like you need to come back to God and you need to ask that um, yeah, he will transform your heart uh, because that's what he's meant to do. First John chapter four, we'll come back to this passage later too. But he says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, right? So it's saying that basically you need to love because God's love. And if you know God, he will make this love happen in you. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so we need to have love. It's a fruit of the spirit and love will show up in the way we serve. It's this, it's like this um, song says, I don't know if you know these, this song, some of you guys are too young, maybe uh, more than words. It's the most passive aggressive uh, love song. I know. I don't even know if it's a love song. Uh, the lyrics go like this. If you don't know it, say, I, know, I won't sing it. Saying I love you is not the words I want to hear from you. It's not that I want you not to say, but if you only knew how easy it would be to show me how you feel more than words is all you have to do to make it real then you wouldn't have to say that you love me because I'd already know. It's such a weird song. It's, it's sung and played like a love song. It's, like, it's a ballad, but the lyrics are like so, so aggressive. I don't know if it's passive aggressive. Maybe it's just aggressive. Um, but basically they're saying like, uh, just don't say you love me. I want you to show it. Right? Show it. Um, it'd be so easy to show it. Because right? that's what love does, right? It acts. And, you know, maybe you've said that, maybe you've heard that in relationships, maybe in marriage, like, you're like, don't just say uh, you, you care. I want you to show me that you care, right? True love acts. And so if we love God, if we love his people, uh, it'll show. And so it needs to start with love and then it shows in service. And so I want to encourage us, make sure you love Christ, make sure you're doing, um, you're spending time with him in your quiet times, right? That's, that's vital. That's always most important. The second point, and I've only got two points today, is that uh, love acts speak. And that, that's a bit of a confusing phrase, and I'll explain it as we go along. The story continues. Um, in verse 6, it says, uh, Jesus came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Again, we see in these verses the, the shock of Peter's response uh, of Jesus' extravagant love for him in action. Uh, Peter refuses Jesus. He says, no, 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 there's no way you're going to wash my feet. And you know, Peter, um, he's probably speaking what everyone else is thinking. He's that brash. He's just like saying, um, you know, what's on his mind. And I'm sure other disciples would have felt this way, right? What's going on? This is such a kind of shocking thing, a weird thing that's happening. And in verse seven, what Jesus said is this. He says, what I'm doing now, you, you don't understand, but afterward, you will understand, right? Afterward. And what, what did Jesus mean by afterward? After what? And the answer is the cross, right? After the cross, you will understand. And so remember verse one, Jesus said, 
uh, at the, it was his hour. His hour had come to depart from this world, right? Jesus knew that he's going to leave. He knew he was going to die on the cross. And this is what he chose to do. And then he says, afterward, after the cross, you'll understand. And so really the washing of the feet is a foretaste. It's a shadow. It's a pointer to what he'll do on the cross. And the parallels are evident. And I've talked about this, I think, in the past. But in both cases, Jesus will be stripped of his garment. Right? In the washing of the feet, he takes his clothes off and puts on a towel. At the cross, he'll be stripped of all his clothes. Uh, in both uh, cases, Jesus is humbled. He humbles himself uh, and he's humiliated. And he takes the place that no one wants to take. Right? In this story, he takes the place of a servant washing their feet. Uh, at the cross, he takes the place of a sinner right? dying for our sins. All right? In both cases, Jesus cleanses us. Right? In this story, he cleanses their feet with water. And on the cross, he cleanses us with his blood right, from our sins. Right? And so the parallels are there. And this story of Jesus washing uh, their feet, it, it points to really the, the greater act of service, which shows his greater love at the cross. Right? It's a pointer to the cross. And then Jesus says then in verse 14 to 15, uh, that we are meant to do the same. Right? Imitate this kind of over-the-top, shocking way of serving. Right? Verse 14 to 15. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Right? Jesus is saying, just as I've done this over-the-top, ex extravagant, shocking expression of love, I want you to do the same. Don't just, you know, mediocre, um, like small uh, attempt to serve, like serve one another. I want you to serve in a way that yeah, yeah, makes people uncomfortable. I want you to serve in a way that's extreme, right? one that embodies radical generosity, right? I've been talking about that. And like Christ's serving was a pointer to the cross, when we serve in this over-the-top way, it becomes a pointer to the cross to people, right? whether to believers or even to non-believers. Jesus will say in verse 34, 35, I said these verses are kind of similar. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Right? So that's basically serve one another like I've served you, right? Love them and then show it in action. Verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, right? If you love one another, not just in words, but uh, show it in your actions, he says that all people, not just believers, but non-believers will see the fruits of your love and they'll know that you are my disciples. Right? Service is like universal language. When a non-believer steps into the church, they may not understand the songs that we sing. They may not understand you know, the theology and the preaching or the prayers. And they might leave like not really getting a lot of stuff. But when they see service and then when they see people serving one another in love, they'll understand that. They'll get that. And, and what Jesus is saying is when we serve one another, just like Jesus served his disciples in an extravagant, over-the-top way, they will say, whoa, whoa, I can tell that something's different here. They will know, right, beyond 
what you've told them. You might have told them, yes, I'm a Christian, but when they see service in action, they'll know, they'll get it, and they'll say, oh, you are a Christian. And they'll begin to understand that. Right, just as Jesus has served us in an over-the-top way, we are to serve each other in an over-the-top way. And just like it was kind of shocking and extravagant, our giving and serving should be radically generous, right? Shocking, really, to people and especially to non-believers. And just like this love only made sense in light of the cross, our serving should be such a serving that is only made sense in light of the cross. It can't be a worldly serving. It can't be a worldly love. It has to be an extravagant over-the-top love. And just as Jesus serving and washing of the feet pointed to the cross, our serving should point people to the cross. So that when the believer comes in, they will say, you know, that this must be some, like leading to something else, right? It must attract them, hopefully, so that they can look at the cross and believe themselves. Right? Well, what an amazing thing it is that someone might step into the church and immediately be able to understand that this is not normal. This is not normal love, right? You guys must be Christian because you're different. Right? That's what Jesus is, is telling us uh, to live out. They will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. In the first John chapter four, that well, these verses are really like a parallel to the story of John 13, except John just kind of takes the story out and just makes it a list of commands. Um, but in it, he says this, uh, beloved, uh, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And again, that's that. He loved us, let's love. He served us, let's serve. Verse 12, and he says it's interesting. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us or God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. John's kind of saying here, you know, we can't see God in our day to day. You can't tangibly, visibly you know, see God or see his love. When a non-believer, I guess, comes into the church, they, they, they can't tangibly see God's love. Right? No one has ever seen God, he says. But, John says, if we love one another, God will live in us. And it's like God will show himself and his love through the way that we love. Right? John Stott says it like this about this verse. The unseen God who once revealed himself in his son, now reveals himself in his people, if and when they love one another. God's love is seen in their love because their love is his love imparted to them by his spirit. And so we understand God's love through the cross and by the spirit, he transforms us, he, he inside out, right? we're radically changed, where the fruit of love grows in us and then we pour that out into you know, our relationships in church and people should then be able to see God's love lived through us. Right? That's what he's saying here. And that's what this verse is saying here. And that's what I mean by love, acts, speak. But right? as we act out our love, it, it speaks to the world and they're able to see that and say, you guys have something different. Um, maybe that is God. Well, what a powerful evangelistic tool our serving one another or serving in the church can be to the world. Uh, whether it's official ministry or unofficial, just in personal relationships, uh, we get to make God's love visible 
through our actions. Right? It's where this um, theologically incorrect quote um, comes from. And I, I, you know, you've probably heard this before. Um, I, I, it's not that I, I agree with this quote. Um, and Francis of Assisi uh, didn't actually say this. It's misquoted. Um, but I love the heart behind it. Okay, but, so just make clear though, it, the, the quote is wrong. Okay, so the quote is, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. And the reason why it's wrong is because you need to preach the gospel with words, right? People can't be saved unless you preach it with words. But, but the heart behind it is this, right? You need to show the gospel with more than words, right? And I agree with that, right? That this idea that, you know, the love of God is meant to be displayed through our actions, and maybe that will attract people and keep them in the church or keep them interested long enough that then they can hear the gospel preached with words and then be saved. Right? I think the actual quote is this one. Um, it's similar, but it's different. It's no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. Right? And so that's kind of got a different nuance and it's um, better theological. How incredible it would be for someone to come into our church and to be able to see the way that we serve one another and say uh, that there's something going on, right? That it's not normal, it's different. Uh, that they would say, I see Christ in you, you must be Christian, right? That's what it means, right? When someone says, oh, you're a Christian. I, they're saying, I see Christ in you. I see the love of Christ lived out through you. And, you know, this is our goal in all of our serving, uh, that we would love and out of love, we would serve but as we serve in an extravagant, um, over-the-top, uh, radically generous way, that uh, people will be able to come and see and say, wow, there's something different going on here. And so I just want to encourage us um, as we serve in ministry or we serve one another, uh, just in personal relationships, that we would serve in this kind of way, driven by love, but in a radically generous way. Right? And so the two points I said, just to summarize, Love acts, right? Serving is love in action. When we love, we're willing to sacrifice for the sake of someone else. And so make sure you love. Make sure you love Jesus. Make sure you love the church. Make sure you love one another, especially as we get busier. Coming close to launch, love, right? Make sure your service is out of love. But the second also is this, that our love is powerful. It's powerful to the believer who's being served. It's powerful to the non-believer who comes and sees. Right? It doesn't speak in a way that saves them, but it speaks in a way that might attract them until the good news is spoken so that they might be saved. It's the invisible God's love on display through us. Right? And what a powerful thing it is when we are radically generous like this. And I want to say um, you know, just thank you. I want to say thank you to everyone who's, who's served, which is all of you guys, serving in such kind of extreme ways over the top pouring out so much time and energy and heart and, and finances i see it the way that you guys are serving in ministries i see it just in your personal relationships um i've been really encouraged um i've felt it toward our family i've felt it you know as we serve one another um in in small kind of ways like just throughout the week i see it in the way that you guys have served in ministries i i, I see your love um for Jesus Christ. And I see the love that you have for one another through the way that you have displayed it in actions. And I've been deeply encouraged by this. 
And as we've gone through the five M's, we've looked at each of the ministries one by one, um, but we, we've kind of not been able to talk about the admin teams. And I just want to kind of specifically mention the admin teams and, and thank them. Um, thank you guys for yeah, just the way that you've served Jesus and the church. Um, there's, there's five main teams. Um, and I'm just going to quickly say thank you to each of them. Thank you for the real estate team. Um, it's hard to kind of constantly go through rejections. Um, and yet you guys have never given up right? rejection, rejection, but you keep pushing forward. It sounds like maybe some of our, our dating lives, <laughs> um, you know, you're just persevering through it. And so I'm really thankful, um, especially Jenny, um, just seeing you guys, your love for church and Jesus through your constant um, perseverance through this. It's been really encouraging to me. Um, and thank you for the legal team. I don't know if you guys know, but they've written up this incredibly uh, long constitution uh, that we're trying to get through and it's taking a lot of time. And a legal document is probably the most boring, uh, non-emotive thing that you could ever read. But as I've read it, as I'm reading through it, uh, I, I feel much emotion because I can see the legal team's love for Christ and this church by the effort that they've put in. Um, it's really amazing that they've put together such a long document um, that would have taken so much time. And so I see your love in action, your love for Christ in action. So thank you. Uh, tech comms, uh, they're figuring out website and podcasts. Um, your constant uh, hassling of me to get a vision, a mission statement out and to get the blurbs out and a statement of faith. It's great. Um, and even if you hate me, uh, you love Christ. <laughs> no, no, Jake, you, you love me. Um, but uh, I can see your love for Christ, which is great. Right. And so your passion for it. I'm very thankful for that. And finance and the central coordination team. Um, not that I haven't seen your love for Christ and not that you're not doing anything, um, but I, I just haven't seen it in person. <laughs> so I'm sure you're doing great stuff. You're just busy in the background, your silent servers. And so thank you for all that you do as well. And so, you know, if you're not in any of these admin teams, you might feel like um, they're, they're not doing much, but they are, they really are. And they love Christ um, as much, if not more than, um, all the ministry teams do. And so just want to thank them. Um, as we close off, I'm, I'm going to ask the admin teams to kind of go around and just share briefly uh, what you've been up to, who's in your team. I um, mean, just one prayer point uh, that we can pray for you about. Um, and then we'll break off into our breakout rooms. And so I'm just going to read out the groups kind of in no particular order. Uh, this is just the way that they came to mind. And so I want to ask real estate team, um, maybe to just give us a quick update. Uh, let us know again, uh, what are you guys up to? Who's in your team? And one prayer point that we can pray for you for. Okay, so I don't know, I don't know who's sharing in each of these teams. I'll just wait for someone to start talking. Yeah. Oh, that's me. Hi guys, hi everyone. Um, not much to update. Uh, yeah, so we've still been um, trying to contact um, so I think uh, other churches are a no-go um, so far. Um, and uh, we've contacted um, yeah, a few different places. Uh, there's three kind of prospective places. I think um, one's like a, it's like a dance studio in Castle Hill, which we're allowed to use all day, but it depends on the space. Um, we're still waiting for them to tell us the size. Um, there's also somewhere in Sydney Olympic Park, but I think it might be a bit too expensive. Um, um, but I'm hopeful because I've actually contacted um, TAFE New South Wales for long-term leasing. And they've gone back to me saying Sundays 
might be a bit difficult because they charge extra for security, but depending on the price and if there's somewhere available, because I don't think, um, yeah, they don't have classes on on Sundays. It should be something we should pray about. So my prayer point is um, obviously overall finding somewhere for us that's the right space for us, size-wise, time-wise, everything that fits us um, for our plant and um, that's overall. But more specifically, maybe there is somewhere on a take site that's central to everyone, um, easy to get to with public transport and um, is available for us. So, yeah, that's, that's my prayer point. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you. Can you quickly name the people that are uh, in your group or helping to call? So, uh, thank you to Alice, Mintot and Tina that are helping me. So thank you so much for yeah, sharing the load. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not easy getting rejected, but yeah, still hopeful. We're going to find somewhere. It just has to be at the right time. Thank you, guys. Um, I don't know about the rest of you guys. I hate phone calls and I think it sort of really stressed me out. But if you look at the list, the, the Google Sheet list of um, the amount of places that they've called, they've really called so many places. And so thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Um, Techcoms. Who wants to share? Is that someone sharing from Techcoms? Yeah, I think it's Sujin. Oh, there you are. Hi. Um, so we've got, oh my gosh, this is such a big, oh my gosh. Um, so we've got um, the honor, honorary male member of the team, Andrew, and Michelle and Joan, as she's technically a helping hand, but she's more like a core member. Um, and we've also got Rebecca Lee as well as helping hand, and including myself. Um, what we're up to, Pastor Paul already mentioned, but aside from hassling him, um, we've got the main website on the way and also um, the latest with the podcast is that um, I think Andrew has found us um, a really good alternate um, solution um, to uh, before we find the main platform. Um, when we launch. Uh, we're also discussing some launch ideas, pre-launch and also post-launch to um, keep the communications going and get the word out there. Um, yeah, and uh, what else? Uh, uh, prayer points. Uh, we would love uh, for you to please pray that, um, that whatever we create, whatever we um, discuss and um, work on that will be missional focused that um, everything that we do will be for the glory of God um, that we won't be too precious about our work because um, anything creative um, people tend to get quite um, personally attached and um, yeah we will just um, want all we want everything to be done for the glory of God so please um, if you could please pray for us in that way I didn't miss anything did I no, that was great, Sujin. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Thanks. You can hassle me this week to get something done. Um, legal team? Someone from legal team? Hello. Oh. Hello? Oh. Hi. Are you, are you legal team? Yes. Um, you might be surprised that I'm legal team, um, but I am the R in L and R. So the legal gurus and just reps. Um, I, I'm in the legal team because it's not boring. Um, just really fun. 
Um, the legal team consists of Justin, Juan, and Gina. Um, and just before I go through the progress points, I just want to clarify when I say we, uh, I mean them and not me. So just I just didn't want to lie about it. Um, but in terms of progress points, um, so far we've gone, uh, we as in them, um, have <laughs> made the constitution. And so the first draft has gone in uh, for review um, to the council. And so once the council bring, uh, gives us feedback, uh, we'll then address it and then submit the second draft again. Um, and in terms of prayer points, uh, I guess our main prayer point um, is to, yeah, to remember God and make sure God is in the center of it. Um, this was initially a bit hard um, because I guess, um, yeah, a lot of things were pressing on it and were dependent on it. So, yeah, I think we might have felt a bit rushed at the start. But, yeah, if God can be the center of all things. And also, I guess, doing a good job um, is one of our prayer points as well. So if you could keep us in your prayers. Oh, sorry, I was muted. I was muted. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, finance team. Hi, can you hear me? Um, so in the finance team is myself, Anna Im, uh, Anna Kim and Sharon O. So in the way of an update, we've been working through kind of three main things for finance. Uh, the first is just trying to get all the banking set up in terms of bank accounts, um, which bank we want to go with, account authorities, who's going to sign off on things, how we're going to receive payments, how we're going to receive ties and um, then how we're going to pay things in terms of cards and things like that. So we've been working through that and thinking about that. The second main thing we've been working through is um, budgeting and uh, Anna Im and Anna Kim have spent a lot of time on this um, around what's actually coming in uh, in terms of tithes and what the expectation is going to look like in terms of setup and the outgoings associated with that. So around there, we're trying our best to set up a structure that's, um, I guess, safe for the bank, financially healthy for the bank. Uh, I mean, sorry, not the bank. I do work at a bank and I keep saying bank, but church. So we want it to be financially healthy. Um, and the third thing is just around accounting, accounting systems and um, what's most appropriate there. So um, again, just a lot about kind of the operational side and how that's going to impact the accounting side. So they're the, they're the things that we've been working through. Um, in terms of prayer points, I'd say the first thing is you can see already my train of thought, like I kind of go into that banking side and same with everyone in our team, they're all finance related. So that we don't lose focus um, uh, in terms of what we're actually doing, which is to plan a church to glorify God. So it's very easy to get caught up in the detail. So. I guess our first prayer point is that we stay focused on the, um, the ultimate goal. The second prayer point is um, in terms of finances, um, it's a very, I guess, sensitive topic and it's something that um, we've seen, you know, unfortunately a lot of bad experiences with churches historically. So that God will kind of 
um, bless our structure and be involved in our structure that the whole church will remain safe. Um, and all the individuals involved um, in terms of the finance team um, and anyone else involved that will have just a structure that is safe for everyone and um, that things won't hopefully go wrong. Um, so there are two prayer points. Thank you. Thanks, Stu. Thanks for sharing that. Um, nice haircut. Uh, Central coordination team. Hi. Um, to be honest, we haven't had to do much. Um, we're just waiting on all the other teams to get, I guess, get started. But what um, Linda and I, we're part of the central coordination team. Um, think of us as like the odd box. So when you're cleaning out your room and you don't know where to fit things in, and that, that's us. So um, a lot of stuff comes through us and we'll disseminate that to the relevant teams when needed. Um, you know, we're, we do the roles where you think you don't need us and you check, but then the minute you check it out, it's like that, oh, you know, we really needed that. So <laughs> I think, like, I, think um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but just if you're not sure of, who to ask or what to do with something, just come through Linda and I and we'll try and find the best person or the best solution for you. Um, prayer points for us is just, I guess, have wisdom to do things properly and correctly. Um, and, yeah, that's it for us. Thank you. Well, sorry. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for sharing and for updating us. I don't know about, you know, the rest of you, but um, hopefully it was insightful and gave you a little bit of an understanding of some of the other stuff that's been going on uh, in the background that you might not know of if you're not in the team. Um, did I miss anyone? That was all the teams, right? Okay. Um, we're going to kind of break off and we're going to share and then uh, we'll come back after that. Um, this is the, I just got one question for us today. I thought we'd finish late. Did we finish? Oh, we did finish late. Okay, one question. Um, and it's very specific. Uh, who can you serve in radical, generous love this week and how? And so it's very specific, kind of very forced um, application. Um, but you just want to push us into um, being comfortable in serving people in an uncomfortable way. I'd love for, um, this isn't me comparing, but like, you know, sometimes you hear about churches and just the way that they love someone who's sick and like the whole church, you know, comes up with like a, a roster of making them meals. And, you know, not that I, I get jealous, but I, but I get jealous. <laughs> and I just feel like, like, Oh, you know, I'd, I'd love for us to be that kind of church. Cause when I hear that, I'm like, wow, the love of Christ. I like, I, I think of Jesus and, and they're embodying Jesus. And so you know, I'd love for us to do that. You know, not forced. They feel forced. It has to come from love. Um, but you know, maybe you can chat about it. Okay. The Pastor Daniel's going to split us off and then we'll come back later.